Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, I'm eager this morning to add my welcome to all of you. Thanks so much for coming to worship with us in the Father's house. We are The Gathering Church, and it's our privilege to gather here every Sunday morning. Uh, Today is the first day that we've added a second service to make more room for more people to hear more about Jesus. So we're really, really glad you're here this morning. Just weren't sure how many people would push back the comfy covers and pop out of bed a little earlier uh, this morning, but we're grateful for each and every one of you. Now, would you please take your Bible or your Bible app and open up to Romans chapter 12. We really encourage you to bring your Bible or at least your Bible app with you so that you can sit there and read the words of Scripture and check what the preachers are saying against the Scripture. And uh, if anybody's in error, you can, ba- you can count on the fact that the preacher is the one who's not got it right. The Word of God always has it right. It's the inspired, uh, plenary, verbal inspiration of Scripture. We believe in that. So always trust your Bible. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is where we're at this morning. The first 11 chapters of Romans is a dense theological forest. The Apostle Paul covers so many weighty themes in the first 11 chapters of Romans. The righteous shall live by faith. The wrath of God is revealed against mankind. Judgment and the law of God and how they fit together. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone, life in the Spirit, future glory for those who trust in Jesus, and on and on it goes. Eleven chapters of rich, deep theological truth. And then in chapter 12, Paul begins a very practical section of his letter that lasts for five chapters, 12 through 16. He spends the first 11 really setting the theological foundation and then says upon that foundation, all this other stuff should happen. In chapter 12, Paul begins to to balance the the vertical with the horizontal and the doctrinal with the relational. So let's go to the text. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned." So starting in Romans chapter 12, the author focuses on the practical outworking of the faith by showing his readers how to see people with God's eyes, how to love with God's heart, how to speak with with God's words, and how to serve with his hands and feet. Romans 12 to 16 is a very practical section of the letter. And the very first verses of chapter 12 really set us off in the right direction. They they encapsulate what it means to live in a way that really pleases God himself. You and I are on a spiritual journey. 
Some of us are a little further along than others, uh, but we're all on this journey together. And, and it's worth whatever it costs. What, whatever it takes, that's what we need to do. Whatever it takes, whatever it demands of us to, to get there, to, to, to learn how to be, become living sacrifices, it's worth it. The first leg of the journey is called consecration. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul is obviously talking to believers here. He's using language that's family language. I appeal appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. He's talking to his family. And in Romans chapter 5, he passionately talks about the benefits of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And uh, we have that on the back of our new t-shirts as uh, Pastor Phil so aptly modeled for us earlier in the service. And you've got to get one of these new t-shirts. And, and, and now in Romans chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul appeals to his brothers and his sisters who've been saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He appeals to them to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. Another way to say, consecrate yourselves to God. And that has some deep and rich uh, foundational sustenance in the Old Testament as well, where the priests consecrated themselves to the service and worship of God. So when someone is a consecrated Christian, it means they have been set apart for the worship and service of God, consecration. They commit to, to loving God and growing in their faith and serving the church and multiplying the number of disciples on the planet. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. He's, he's pleading with us to present ourselves as living sacrifices. So on the basis of everything that comes before Romans 12, verse 1, on the basis of all that deep truth in Romans chapter 1 to 11, He, therefore, appeals to us. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because only Jesus can remove sin and overcome overcome its power. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Because God is righteous and one day we will all have to give an account to Him. Because a new age of redemptive history has begun. And because the atoning death of Jesus Christ is central to God's plan for the ages. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. You see, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. The therefore is based, is, is talking about the first 11 chapters. Because all of that is true. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the only way to have a relationship with God is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. On the basis of that, now, now, dedicate yourselves to God. Consecrate your life to God. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, body, soul, and spirit. He's appealing to us with a sense of urgency. He's appealing us, uh, to us to surrender fully, completely, totally, unreservedly to God. So that theme hasn't popped up yet in your Christian walk. It is today. 
This idea of complete and total surrender. Reckless abandonment to the will of God. If that theme hasn't popped up yet in your, your Christian experience, your church experience, it's here today. Right out of Romans chapter 12. I mean, some of us come from uh, branches of the Christian church where that, that just wasn't an emphasis. It is here. And it is here in Scripture, Romans chapter 12. Offer yourselves to God. So if you haven't done that yet, if, if you haven't surrendered your body, soul, and spirit, because when, when he talks about uh, offering your bodies as living sacrifices, he's talking about the entirety of our being, body, soul, and spirit. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. This is an act of Christian consecration, and I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to do it today. We sometimes sing that great old song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. In His presence, daily live. And and that's a key phrase. That's a key phrase in that song. That's a key phrase in Romans chapter 12. In His presence, daily live. Because surrender... Complete abandonment to God isn't a once and for all thing. It's an ongoing. It may start today for some of you. You may be sitting here saying, I've never done that. I've never been challenged to, to, to offer myself to God fully and completely. So it may be a new thing to you. But, but it has to be repeated every day. <laughs> in His presence daily live. When the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers way back in Acts chapter 2... It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They met together daily in the temple and then from house to house. Doing what? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, prayer, and and, and celebrating the Lord's Supper together. The simple steps of consecration lead to a joyful discovery of daily discipline with God. Let me say that again. Simple steps of consecration lead to a joyful discovery of daily discipline with God. And so the first leg of the journey that we read about in Romans chapter 12 is called consecration. The second leg is transformation. Where he says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, nothing could be more unnatural, nothing could be more abnormal to the disciple of Jesus than to become a disciple of the world. I mean, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you, you've, you've turned your back on the world. The new has come. If you're a disciple of Jesus, the idea of becoming a disciple of the world is abhorrent to you. No, no, no. I, I left that. I, I'm now a follower of Jesus. So nothing could be more unnatural for a disciple of Jesus than to become a disciple of the world. And that's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2... 
John just goes after the jugular where he says in verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world because it's abnormal for a disciple of Jesus to love the world. They're antithetical. They're, they're, they're at war with each other. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Boom. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. See, we, we belong to Jesus. <laughs> we belong to his family. We're new creations. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're part of the family of God. This world is not your home. You become citizens of heaven. So don't fall in love with the systems and the standards of the world. Don't fall in love with the values and morals of the world that are opposed to God because you're a disciple of Jesus and not a disciple of the world. J.B. Phillips said it like this, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. I love that translation. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. How many of you feel that squeeze on a regular basis? Yeah, it's just there. It happens at work, at school, in your neighborhood. Wherever you have people that are living in the world, you have this pressure to, to conform and to squeeze. They want to squeeze you into their mold. So how do you counter that? Well, you bring yourself under the transforming influence of the Word of God daily so that the Holy Spirit of God has a chance to speak to your heart daily and transform your life for the glory of God daily. Does that make sense? You, 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 have, to, you have to put yourself in a position where you're under the influence, the transforming influence of the Word of God. And so maybe that's your daily quiet time. Maybe that's you alone in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning before you have to leave for work at 5.30. You're, you're spending some time alone with God. Maybe it's in the car when you've got a, a Christian radio on and, and, and you're, you're, you're hearing songs of Scripture. Um, maybe it's the last thing at night before you, before you retire and your husband is already snoring. You go out to the other room and read a few verses of Scripture and pray. Get on your face before God. Daily devotion. One of the tools for transformation that we see God working through here at the gathering is our small group ministry. I mean, it just, it's just one of the tools that God is using. It's not the answer for everybody or maybe for every church, but here at the gathering, God is using this small group ministry to change people's lives. Last Sunday, we baptized uh, six people and uh, that was a great, <laughs> wasn't that amazing service? It was unbelievable. Wow. Uh, I, I got goosebumps on my arm just thinking about last Sunday. But you remember that uh, several of those people indicated uh, th their participation in small groups. So their lives have been changed or challenged and transformed through small group ministry. We have men's groups and women's groups and co-ed groups. You heard about a men's group that's meeting on the patio at 11 o'clock. We have uh, small groups for children on Sunday morning and small group ministry for students on Tuesday and, and for young adults on Sunday night. Bible study, prayer, fellowship, accountability, uh, encouragement, something to eat and something to eat and something to eat. It all happens in our small groups. Well, you can't have a meeting without something to eat, right? You've got you to have something. 
So you can sign up today, as Pastor Phil said, you can sign up for a small group in, uh, at the information table in the, in the gathering place after the service, or you can go online, thegatheringwindsor.com, and find your way to the small group page and sign up for a group there. However you do it, I, I don't care how you do it, if you do it online or in person, uh, I hope you'll dip into a small group this fall and, and just watch God work. It, it, it's really quite something. You and I are on a spiritual journey that is worth whatever it costs us. Whatever, whatever we have to do, whatever it takes, you want to be a living sacrifice because this is the, the command of Scripture. We want to follow the Word of God. So the journey includes consecration, transformation, and finally evaluation. And I get this from verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So I think this points us to, to personal evaluation and, and how we think about ourselves. We, we, we need to assess who we are in Christ. We need to consider where we're at with God and then step out according to the measure of faith that he's given us. Evaluating yourself, assessing where you are, will help you to determine what step you need to take next. Maybe the next step you need to take is to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe the next step you need to take is, is, is being baptized or, or, or being, getting involved in a small group or going to seminary and training for ministry or maybe planting a new church somewhere in the county like Amherstburg or Essex or Kingsville. But that evaluation is important. It's, it, it, it's important to st- pause and, and, and just know where you're at Many years ago, during a, a training exercise, a naval destroyer called the USS Delphi uh, led a, a flotilla of seven ships down the California coast. The, the Delphi was under the command of Lieutenant Donald Hunter, who was an experienced navigator, and he was an instructor at the Naval Academy. So you, you'd think that he knew what he was doing. But without warning, a, a thick fog descended upon... Uh, upon them at that point in their training mission. And in the midst of the fog, Hunter got disoriented, and he, he really didn't know where he was. But like most guys, he wouldn't ask for help. And so he just kept going. He just kept, kept going. Um, and suddenly the Delphi smashed into the rocky shoreline, and the ship hit the rocks with such a, a, a tremendous force that it actually split the steel hull in two. And then one by one, the seven ships that were following the Delphi also smashed into the rocky shoreline. They lost all eight ships and 22 sailors died. If you're living in a spiritual fog and you're not sure where you are or what you're doing or what the next step is, you you could be in danger. The Apostle Paul urges us to evaluate ourselves to determine what God wants next. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because that's pride and pride goes before a fall, Scripture says. Don't think of yourselves more lowly than you ought to think. Uh, Don't underestimate what God can do in your life. 
regardless of your lack of skill, lack of experience, lack of personality, lack of joy, lack of good looks, whatever. Whatever you lack, God can make up for it. So don't underestimate yourself. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and He cannot be limited. So you've got to think with sober judgment. Got to evaluate carefully. Got to assess where you're at. The journey to become a living sacrifice for God, to become the kind of man or woman that God uses for His glory and His honor involves consecration and transformation and evaluation. Listen, God, God created you, and, and He loves you, and He called you because He chose you, and He saved you, and then He filled you with the Holy Spirit, and now He's equipped you for ministry and for life. So now would be a good time to surrender all that you are and all that you have to Him. If you haven't done that, and if you haven't done it this morning, now would be a good time to do that. Surrender fully as a living sacrifice, body, soul, and spirit. At 9.04 a.m. on September 2, 1945, aboard a ship in the Tokyo Harbor, World War II officially ended. Signing on behalf of Japan's emperor, the foreign minister inked his signature to a document declaring Japan's complete, unconditional surrender to the Allies. And as you know, Japan rose from the ashes of Hiroshima and Nagasaki to become a, a powerful nation once again. Recovery was slow, but it was steady. And today, Japan is one of the most productive, peaceful countries in the world. But, but first, the Japanese military and the Japanese government had to sign a document that said they completely and totally surrender with absolutely no conditions whatsoever. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to become living sacrifices to God... We have got to come before God fully surrendered, absolute surrender to God with no conditions attached. I mean, how many times have you, have you thought about saying to the Lord, Lord, if you get me out of this, then I'll, if you do this, then I'll do that. Lord, I, I, I am so eager for this to happen, so if you make this happen, then I'll. Those are conditions. What we need to say, what we ought to say, is, Lord, here I am. All that I am is yours. Period. Period. No conditions attached. I mean, this morning we sang those words with every heartbeat in my chest. Lord, I surrender all I have. And that's not talking just about material possessions. It's my goodness, all you have isn't very much when you're talking about the, the enormous, magnificent, glorious God of the universe. I mean, he, he owns it all anyway. So it, all that I have is all, all my talents, all my, all my skill, all my intelligence, all my, everything I have, my bank account, my family. Lord, I, 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 it's, it's yours. 
No conditions attached. I fully, completely, absolutely surrender to you. But that which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. So this is not a once and for all thing. It's a, it's a daily experience. We surrender today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. The days yet to come. The days in the past. I'm giving you all I am with lifted hands. See, lifted hands in the scripture is just an illustration of surrender. So when we raise our hands in worship here at, at the gathering, we're not doing it just because they. I saw it at the last concert I was at. We're doing it because we're saying, Lord, here I am. I agree with you. I'm agreeing with the words of this song. With uplifted hands, I surrender all that I am. Is that true for you this morning? Is that true for you? Let's pray. Father, it's, it's far easier to sing the words than to live out the truth. With every heartbeat in my chest, Lord, I surrender all that I have. The days yet to come, the days in the past, I'm giving you all that I am with lifted hands. Father, I pray this morning that, that your Holy Spirit will have free reign in our church. In our midst, Lord, come and have your way. In this moment, in this moment, Lord, do what only you can do. We pray this all in Jesus' name.